Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. So I've got lots to tell you because I've been away for four weeks, but I thought maybe I better get on with the sermon. So I'm going to start with a story today, right? I want to tell you a story of a man named John Cartledge. He was born on the 22nd of August in 1815 in Nottingham, England. John was baptised in the Church of England as a child and at, at, at a church called St. Mary's Church in Nottingham, a parish that still happens to be operational today, over 200 years later. How cool. John couldn't read, uh, could read, but he couldn't write. And so as he got older, he was, he was made the overseer of St. Mary's. And it was, it was most likely that John was, was apprenticed out from the church uh, as he had a trade under his belt as a, as a knife and spring grinder. The trouble with John was that he kept finding himself in trouble with the law. John was described as a bad boy and found himself appearing in court a number of times. Once he was charged with stealing a coat, a jacket and a waistcoat, but the charges were dropped a week later because the complainant was his own brother. His record states that he was a, a drunk, he was of, of bad character, he was of indifferent disposition, he was connected with thieves and prostitutes. He had distinguishing marks inside his left arm and at the back of his left hand, and he had a scar on his cheek. He had hazel eyes, oval face and fair complexion, brown hair and nose medium. In 1841, at age 26, his main offence was stealing sheet lead from houses with an estimated value of a whole two pounds and 12 pence. And he also got caught breaking into a warehouse. He was tried and convicted in Sheffield and sentenced to transportation for seven years. And so John was transported on a ship called the Earl Grey and arrived in Hobart on January the 14th, 1843. After about five years of serving his sentence in, in Van Diemen's land, by, by some interesting turn of events, John had sparked the interest of a young lady called Sarah Cook. Sarah was a free settler, so I'm not really sure how they managed to cross paths, given that he was locked away and she wasn't. But we can fill in the story in our own minds, I suppose. In 1847, John petitioned the Reverend Palmer and the government at the time that he might seek permission to marry Miss Cook. And as such, he was granted his ticket of leave on the 27th of July, 1847, having served only four and a half years of his seven-year sentence. He then went on to marry Sarah Cook about 12 months later and was married by the Reverend Palmer, who he had petitioned for his ticket of leave. They had to leave Hobart in a hurry, though, because Sarah was seen distributing bread to the convicts outside the prison gates. And so they... They rushed off from Tasmania in a hurry and settled in Mount Clear, just outside of Ballarat. John died at the ripe old age of 85 years. See, John got a second chance at his freedom. That, that freedom saw him marry Sarah and go on to have nine children and multitudes of other descendants over the past 200 years. At least one of which turned out okay. I'm not sure about the size of my nose, but John Cartledge happens to be my fourth great-grandfather. 
not sure about the disposition or those other things described in his account. See, the difference, like the difference a second chance can make, right? Not all of the convicts in Australia in our early colonial history were as fortunate. Many convicts sent to the colony of New South Wales were sentenced for minor crimes, yet found themselves serving long, long sentences, rarely finding freedom, often paying with their lives, particularly in the early days. So today's message is called The God of Second Chances, as we look at session two of Faith Runs Deep. We're going to have a look at the value of a second chance, the difference forgiveness and mercy can play in the kingdom of God. Why don't you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, not only the second, but the many chances you offer us. Father God, today as we step into your word, would you, would you quicken to us those things you want us to know? those situations that we might need to do some work in. Father God, we pray that your word might speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, today we're going to have a look at uh, the Gospel of Matthew and the parable of the unmerciful servant, or maybe in your version it's called the unforgiving servant. And so it starts in chapter 18, verse 21, like this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my my brother or my sister who sins against me? Up to seven times, he asks. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. This kind of seems quite specific, right? But in the Hebrew culture at the time, the number seven meant wholeness, completedness. So the, the number seven meant, should I completely forgive my brothers and sisters? And Jesus says, well, yes, but more than that. That the completeness and the wholeness plus more. Like, forgive them to infinity, right? And so Jesus goes on to to tell Peter and the disciples this parable. We know that the parables have a specific lesson. Maybe they're not a a true account of what's happened, but they're designed to, to teach us a particular lesson. And so he illustrates the point to Peter and the other disciples from verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, or maybe your Bible says 10,000 talents, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that they had be sold to repay the debt. So not only their possessions, but in fact their family as well, be sold as slaves to repay this debt. But if we have a look at at 10,000 bags of gold or 10,000 talents, that's actually one bag of gold is 20 years worth of wages. So 10,000 bags of gold is an insane amount of, of money. In fact, this debt is probably unpayable. This guy owns 10,000 bags of gold. So no matter how hard he tried, realistically, he's probably not going to be able to repay it. Verse 26. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will uh, will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. He cancelled the debt and let him go. 
He completely wipes that debt clean, that unpayable debt that was far beyond anything he could have even attempted to repay. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, essentially some loose change in comparison to what has just been uh, wiped off his, his um, debt. A few a hundred silver coins, essentially a few months' wages. Nothing in compared to the, the price that has just been wiped off. And so he grabs him and he, he chokes him and he says, pay back what you owe me. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. He says, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could repay the debt. When the other servants saw what, what had happened, they, they were outraged. and They went and told their master everything, the original guy, the king, right? Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed, which we know he probably couldn't have achieved. And so then Jesus says to Peter and the other disciples, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So Jesus shows us that unforgiveness can be destructive. We see that the servant who had this this mammoth debt against the king, this unpayable debt that that he wouldn't have been able to pay anyway, even though that's been wiped clean, he still seeks out to punish the fellow servant who owed him just essentially some loose change. We see clearly the lessons Jesus is trying to teach Peter and that he's trying to teach us. There's kind of two parts. The first is the relationship with the king and, and, and the servant, right? This, this master, this king, demonstrates to us the willingness of God to do precisely that for us, to wipe our debts clean, our debt of sin, our debt that we cannot in a hundred lifetimes repay to him. It's unpayable. Yet when we come to him in humility, with sincerity, in a posture of repentance, he will forgive us. He will wipe away the debt and he welcomes us with open arms. And just like the master in the parable, God welcomes us and forgives us every time. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 11 says this. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will someone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We have this incredible offer of forgiveness from the Father 
through a relationship with Jesus. Yet like Peter, we're often challenged at extending that same forgiveness to other people. It's all good and well to have our slate wiped clean. And we're happy and we're content to be forgiven, to have our sins taken away. Yet what does this mean when it comes to dealing with our fellow brothers and sisters? Extending forgiveness isn't easy. It's not comfortable. It's certainly not as comfortable as receiving it. The impact of God's gracious love and forgiveness towards us is precisely the call for us to go and do likewise to those people around us. It's not easy. In every relationship, there are times when we're hurt, when we're disappointed, when we're offended, when our trust is broken, when our feelings are hurt. What does it look like to say, I love you, regardless of what you did or said? I'm going to choose to see past this because of Christ's love for me. I'm going to be led by the love, the forgiveness that I've received, not by those things that you've done to hurt me or upset me or offend me. I value you and I value our relationship and I choose to love you through that, to extend forgiveness just like Jesus did for me. It is not easy. When it comes to forgiving others, it's important to have clear expectations of what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. Like we've said, forgiveness is this choice to, to love above the circumstance, to show that, that you value the person, that you value the relationship greater than that thing that stands between you. But what forgiveness doesn't do, it doesn't remove memory. The event still happened whatever it may be. We don't magically forget. We're probably going to be continually reminded of whatever that event was. And so it puts the pressure on to be even more intentional to try and see past it. And not only does it not remove our memory, it doesn't remove our emotions attached to the event. Memories come back, pain comes back, those feelings we've experienced, they'll still be there but we don't let those memories and those emotions rule our behaviour anymore because we've made a choice to love through that. Forgiveness doesn't remove consequence. Yes, I'm willing to forgive. I can honour that God forgives you and I'm going to try my best to forgive you as well. Sometimes there's still worldly consequences. Sometimes there's things that still need to transpire as a result of what's happened. Forgiveness doesn't remove those consequences. The drink driver that injures someone as a result of their behaviour, the hurt person might forgive them and be able to see past it. But the law doesn't. The law says there's still a consequence to wear. Forgiveness will not remove those consequences. Forgiveness doesn't rebuild trust. Forgiveness doesn't automatically rebuild trust trust with the person that's hurt you. It might open the door, it might start the process, but it doesn't fix trust. Perhaps the damage is done. There's a long way back to reconciliation. But choosing love, choosing to move forward, 
choosing not to let this event define you or the relationship anymore gives us freedom and allows us to extend grace to the situation and the people involved. And it's the only way that might lead to reconciliation. But even that's not guaranteed. Forgiveness doesn't always result in reconciliation, or at least in the ways we expect. Sometimes the relationship cannot be restored to the way it once was. Sometimes it ends in parting ways. Sometimes it ends with a, a, like half relationship, like uh, the, the relationship isn't restored to the full extent to which it once was. Yet we have a choice. We have a choice to see whether, whether we're going to let this control us anymore, whether we're going to let it c- control our thoughts and occupy our minds, going to let it lead our behaviour anymore or whether we can accept the situation and move forward in love and in acceptance and in grace. It's not easy. It's not straightforward. Yet that's what God calls us to do, as an extension of our faith in Him, because He's done it for us. That relationship was broken beyond repair, yet He still wipes our slate clean and extends his love and grace to us. Yet as we have the assurance of our own forgiveness, which opens relationship with God the Father, that means we can also go to him in these times. His love is greater than anything we could ever possibly extend ourselves. And he helps us and he guides us, and he comforts us through this process. When these situations seem too hard and too complex, he can make the difference. When things are hard and painful and challenging, we can turn to him for help because that relationship is restored. Because of the second chances he has extended to us, we have a relationship close enough that it means we can, help, we, we can ask for his help to help us forgive others. That's the only way we can do it. Let's have a quick look at our sermon video to, for today. Significant issues in early Australia was the place of freed convicts. This is the statue of Lachlan Macquarie. He was the governor of New South Wales between 1810 and 1821. Lachlan Macquarie, with the influence of his wife and his own Christian faith, believed that convicts should be given a second chance. His Christian faith led him to believe in forgiveness, restoration and a fair go. And because of that, he emancipated, in other words, freed more convicts than than any governor governor before him. him. Now this this caused caused enormous enormous tension in in the new colony. colony. There were those who believed that there was a criminal criminal class class and they could never never be given given a second second chance. chance. But Lachlan Lachlan Macquarie didn't didn't believe that. that. And many many of those those he emancipated went on to serve Australia well.
if you want to understand the genesis of a fair go for everyone, a key value in Australian society, look no further than Lachlan Macquarie, motivated by his Christian faith. It's another reason that faith runs deep in our country. One of the greats in early Australian history that's talked about a lot is Lachlan Macquarie, but he's a wife Elizabeth is really significant. What's her background, especially her Christian background? She had an interesting background. She was Scottish. And, and uh, she also, she also lived, lived with a, a family of uh, a clergy family, family uh, in Devon, Devon for a while when she was a governess. And, and they, they were evangelicals. She started uh, habits of uh, daily, daily Bible, Bible reading, reading and prayer and, and Sabbath, Sabbath observance. observance. And, and uh, those, those things, things really, really she carried, she carried with, her with her to the to colony. They were great underliners of their Bibles and their prayer books. They underlined their great underliners. And, and in, in Lachlan Macquarie's prayer, prayer book, the Anglican, Anglican prayer book, book, he underlined what we call the absolution, the announcement of that you are forgiven because God, God has forgiven, forgiven you. If God does not, does not desire the death of a sinner, sinner but rather, rather that the sinner be restored, how much, how much more, more should we? write? His, his last words, words that he ever wrote, wrote in his life was to write that. If the author of all that is, Desires not, not death, death, but life. life. How, much How much more, more we, should we should desire, desire not, not punishment, but restoration. So good. If we didn't learn anything else from that, behind every great man is an even greater woman, yeah? So Lachlan and Elizabeth Macquarie, um, as a direct extension of their faith, emancipated 1,500 convicts in the colony of New South Wales giving each and every one of those 1,500 people a second chance. Governor Bly, the governor before Lachlan Macquarie, emancipated two. Many of those 1,500 convicts that were offered emancipation went on to be the founding mothers and fathers of our society here in Australia, doing many incredible things to establish the values and social structures we enjoy today. Did they all get it right? Absolutely not. Do we? Nope. Lachlan Macquarie's legacy was continued only about 20 years later when John Cartledge, that ancestor of mine, also was able to be emancipated from the crimes that he had once committed, was able to marry his wife and go on to have children and grandchildren. Without his second chance, I might be here to tell you the story. 
And we all have stories like this, no matter our background, no matter where we grew up, whether it was Australia or anywhere else. We all have a story. We all have a history. Some involve incredible adventures and stories that have shaped and inadvertently made us who we are today. Some are good, some are bad, some are happy and some are sad. Yet we all have a story. Yet there's one story that beats them all. There is a God who wants to see all of his creation. Each one of his sons and his daughters extended a second chance. As humans, we fail, we fall short, we're in far more debt than we could ever repay. Yet we're offered forgiveness from a God who created us and loves us and cares for us more deeply than we will ever know. The God who is outworking his plan far before Lachlan Macquarie and far before John Cartledge and far before all of us in this room. Yet he still manages to see each and every one of us and loves us intimately. And his love for us is of far greater importance than anything we've put in the way as a barrier. He still forgives and he still loves and he's still wiping slates clean right now. And so this begs the question, have you accepted the forgiveness that God offers through a relationship with Jesus? Maybe many of us in this place have. Or maybe that's a new revelation for us today. And more than that, as a result of all that Jesus has done for us, all that he accomplished at the cross that day, as an extension of our faith in that very moment, are there people in your life that we might need to extend forgiveness to. As hard as it is, as difficult as it seems, are there relationships in your life that you need to say, because of what I've received as a follower of Jesus, I need to put love first. I need to choose forgiveness, keeping in mind those things that we know forgiveness doesn't do. It doesn't remove the memories or emotions. It doesn't remove the consequences that doesn't automatically rebuild trust or reconcile people together. But beyond that, I choose love above the circumstance because Jesus loved me first. I choose to free myself from this burden of unforgiveness. I won't treat my brothers and sisters with contempt because Jesus has never once done that to me. So today, do we choose love? I feel we won't need to look too far into our lives, me included, to, to be able to find a relationship that might need to be placed higher than the circumstances of this world, and that might need to be given a second chance today, that might need an injection of the love of Christ. Because from forgiveness comes opportunity. Opportunity for healing, opportunity for growth, opportunity for reconciliation opportunity to shine the love of Jesus bigger and brighter in a world so full of brokenness. I want to pray for those opportunities right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you now knowing full well that we can never repay the, the debt we have with you. Yet we thank you for your 
your actions on the cross that mean we are in right standing with you. Father God, we thank you for all that you accomplished and that you have opened a relationship that means that we, we can experience your love and your grace and that we are offered a second chance to make things right with you. Father God, would you, would you strengthen us? Would you guide us? Would you show us those relationships that might need us to, to shine your love into? Those broken relationships, those broken situations, because you loved us first, would you show us to extend that same love? Above the circumstance, above the, the offence, above the, the, the broken relationship, above those, those, that hurt, above that pain, that your love might endure. Father God, would we be people that, that seek out to forgive one another as hard as it is, May we be people who want to extend the grace that you have extended us to other people around us. Father God, would you strengthen us in that? Would you quicken to us those relationships that might need your love in the midst right now? And Father God, would you strengthen us with, with, with the strength that only you can provide, with the love that only you can provide? Father God, be with us as we go today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like prayer, or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video, like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.